Welcome to this week's Made in Scotland podcast, sponsored by Ogilvy Ross. I'm Gary Robinson. This week's guest is all about volleyball. And when I say all about volleyball, I mean all about volleyball. Uh, she was the volleyball indoor Olympian. She was the captain of the GB team. Keep me right here, by the way, Lynn. Yeah. Uh, heading for the uh, 2018 Commonwealth Games Beach Volleyball. Are you going there as captain? Um, no, we're actually still to qualify, but that's the that's the journey that we want to go on, um, and we're looking to qualify within the next year or so. Okay, uh, and uh, and you work in Scottish volleyball, and you teach volleyball uh, across the east coast of Scotland. That's right, yeah. So when I say it's all about volleyball, this <laughs> podcast, it is. Lynn Beattie, welcome to the studio. Thank you very much, uh, Lynn. Tell me about your your younger years. I mean, you are a you're a y- young lady, uh, but you were a little bit younger, of course. Yeah. So how did you get into this this world that you? absolutely love and adore well I I would just say that I'm I've always had a passion for sport I when I was younger I probably played about every sport you can think of um until I went up to uh, my high school great school Mairns Castle High School and they had a kind of summer camp um for volleyball just more of as, as a transition for primary school kids to go up to the high school and make them feel a bit more settled so I really just went to try the sport, meet some new people, but that was the start of, of something big because I absolutely loved it. Um, I was a I was a keen athlete at the time, but this the sense of team sport and volleyball was was the something special that made me really choose that path. And um, there were some key people at the school that really pushed me to to achieve my potential, I guess, and that was that was something that I, I remember quite vividly. And how does Scotland fare on the world stage as far as volleyball is concerned? Um, we're, we're getting there. I mean, we're in the strongest continent in the world in terms of uh, Olympic qualification and Commonwealth Games, but um, we're slowly moving up the ranks. We've got great indoor teams, both men and women. Um, our juniors are now moving up the ranks, and now we have this, this great opportunity in beach volleyball since um, the announcement that it's going to be in the Commonwealth Games in 2018 for the first time ever. So everything's moving along nicely. Um, Not sure of exact rankings, um, but we're definitely, I think from London 2012, there's been a huge inspiration of the the next generation of players. And that's why we're seeing a huge growth in popularity within the sport. And you said in your earlier years, you did all sorts of different sports, all sorts. So what was it specifically about volleyball that, that made you think, yeah, do you know what, this is for me? I think it has to be the team aspect of it. It is for me. I remember sitting down actually at that first camp, and the and the coach and the teacher said, "Volleyball is the ultimate team sport." Now, other other team sports are probably saying, "No, our sport's the ultimate team sport." But for me, that really sits true with me. Um, you can't really have a team that are successful with just one good player. Everyone has to play their part, and I think that's where, especially when it gets to the top level in the sport, that's really crucial. You can't just have your your superstar that's going to win the game for you. Everyone has to be in tune with each other, and you're, you know, if you lose a point, you lose a point as a team. If you win a point, you win a point as a team. And I think that's the part that really got me going. At the at the early age, it was more about the friendship and the social side, but I think that team aspect had a huge part to play. And how have schools adopted the sport? Well, uh, actually, more and more schools now are really doing a similar thing. Um, I tell the story to schools all across the, the country, really, that 
I started playing volleyball at a summer camp and so schools are starting to adopt that but it's really teachers that are taking it on board now and the more we can get it in the curriculum in schools the more people are inspired by it but hopefully with people like me going into schools and and telling them my story about where I've come from and um, what I achieved that's hopefully going to inspire people to play because um, I don't think it's as popular as, as some sports in the country but if we can show what's possible through our sport then we'll get more kids playing. In this series of, of Made in Scotland we're talking about leadership, leadership yeah. skills, qualities, attributes and so on um, and you must embody quite a number of those attributes to become the captain of, of the GB team. Sure. Um, what sort of qualities and attributes do you think a leader needs to reflect and, and possess? I think there's a lot. There's the, the key buzzwords um, like supporting others, um, a, a self-belief. And I think that's probably one thing that um, a lot of good leaders that I've experienced in my career have had is that self-belief, but that ability to instill that belief within others and the people around them. Um, I think um, standards, high standards and expectations for themselves is, is another key thing. Um, and I think as a leader, I... Maybe some people are born as leaders, some people evolve as leaders, and I very much think that I've probably had something deep within that, that make me, makes me a good leader, but I've definitely evolved. The more confident I got, the more I played volleyball and the, with the different people that I worked with. Um, and I always think that... I think there's a quote out there, I'm not entirely sure what the quote is, but it, it suggests that a good leader is someone who, you know... They might be working hard behind the scenes, but they don't care who sees them. There's people that work hard when people are watching, but it's it's the behind the scenes hard work and graft when no one's watching that really makes the difference between a, a good leader and a good good competitor. From your point of view, what's the toughest thing about being a leader? Um, I think that having to to really support a team when the when the times are tough. Um, I, there's a there's a quote about there's no I in team. I also sometimes think there is an iron team because when the times are tough, it's one individual that has to step up and lead by example. And I think that is good leaders show that. Um, but it's also they're doing that for the goodness, the good of the team and they're doing it for a reason and they do it in the right way. So I think um, that is a tough thing to do. But is it the toughest, do you think? Um, I think the toughest. Um, there's lots of t lots of tough things. It could be tough times when things are going well. You might get you might get taken off if you're playing volleyball and you're the cat. Doesn't mean you're going to be on court. So I think it's dealing with adversity in many different ways and making sure it doesn't impact in the team. So it's a very complex position, I think, um, and one that I had the honour of of and the privilege of being at a, a very big stage in volleyball. We're talking to all our guests, obviously, about aspects of leadership, but about resilience, because yeah. I think resilience and leadership go hand in hand. One of the toughest questions we've found is is this one about asking you, if you wouldn't mind, to take us to take us, give us an example of where you've been taken to a dark place. It may sound like dramatic language, <laughs> but a dark place uh, and how you came through the other end. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, there's a dark place and then there's a dark place within in sport and in our journey as a as a Great Britain team on a journey to the Olympic Games, um, you know, making history for the sport. Two years in, we, we all had to kind of sacrifice things. We some people gave up houses, boyfriends, careers, everything to to relocate to Sheffield where our training base was, um, and 
two years out from the Olympic Games, we were we were told that our, our funding would be stripped, so we'd have to continue our journey with no funding. As with lots of different... The same thing happened to lots of different sports, but we were basically given the the ultimatum, you know, you can continue your journey to London 2012 with zero funding or you can, but you're going to have to fundraise every every penny to get there or you can, that's the end of the journey. And as difficult a, a decision it may be, it actually wasn't. The decision was unanimous. We were going to continue on this journey, but it was going to take a lot, a lot of work, both on the court and off. We already had a hard, hard you know, job to fast track to the level of the, the best teams in the world, but we're going to have to do this with with zero funding. And that was a, a pretty tough time, especially when players had given up so much to, to be part of this programme and part of this journey. And I think being the leader in that, um, it was all about, you know, things out with volleyball. It was about organising events. It was about coordinating how we're going to get to our next trip. It was working with the, the coaching staff to make sure that we were still on track. Um, so so my, my role as a leader became just as much on the court as off the court, but ultimately it came down to what mattered on the court at the end of the day. So you were in Sheffield. Yep. The team were in Sheffield. Team were in Sheffield. Funding rug pulled away from you. Yep. And what was your initial thought? Um, we, I mean, the, the you can swear by the way. <laughs> I won't swear. I don't swear. No, um, we did actually use that that kind of terminology that we felt like the rug had been pulled from from beneath us. Um, we weren't alone. As I said, other sports were in the same position, but in that moment, we felt that we'd been let down. Um, but at the same time, we used it as an opportunity, and I wouldn't actually change it for the world. Yes, it would have been great to have funding, but. And I guess we'll never know what the outcome would have been at the Olympics with funding, but that situation of having to pull together every single resource, every single player, I think it made the team what it was. Um, yeah, so it, it was a challenge, but we all had to pull together. It was a situation where, you know, we couldn't have survivors in the team. Everyone had to play their part, and it, and it did. And I think that was the, the very nice position they were in is that I was the captain of the team but actually it sounds a bit cliche but every single person in the team was a leader and they all had their own roles and responsibilities and that's what made the team successful. Do you think sport has a big big part to play in forming future leaders of the future in in whatever in whatever discipline? Yeah absolutely I think sport plays an amazing part and I think that's why it's so important in schools and with young people in this day and age. I think it can shape um, how a person turns out and um, I think it can impact people's confidence self-esteem um, and just show people that, that anything is possible if um, you know there's there's true values in life like working hard for things if you don't achieve anything unless you work hard and that is all very much highlighted in sport Let's move back to you Limbiti the individual um, uh, and you've demonstrated and described uh, the attributes that you think make a good leader. What do you look for people? What do you looking people look for in people, uh, either coming to join the team or wanting to be part of the team? Or let's say that you move into industry next time, uh, and you know you take on a, a, a role within industry, become CEO. Um, you know what? What sort of people do you look for? What sort of people do you surround yourself with? I, I always really much value uh, a determination to make things happen. Uh, and I think 
in in my sporting career, I've always been in a position where um, you want to show people that something is possible, something that has never been done before. So people, I want to surround myself with people who share the same passion to make things happen. Um, I guess a commitment to to the cause of whatever whatever it is we're working for, and and just a, a resilience and a perseverance to to stay committed to that that role and that that vision, no matter what adversity is put in your way. I think I think perseverance, resilience is two things that if I've learned anything from my my career in volleyball, and in life, it, it's been how important these two qualities are. With regard to your career, how how long do you see it? continuing for i mean i i ask as a layman because yeah, yeah. Uh, i've never met a volleyball professional or olympian before sure. so i'm honored and privileged so how how long is a, is is an average career or how, how where do you see your career going at the moment um over the last year or two i've actually started transitioning from indoor volleyball to beach volleyball um i tried last year to to combine both but I'm getting slightly older now, so on the body it was a it was a big impact, and we've now have this goal of of achieving a qualification spot at the Commonwealth Games. So we really have to put everything in into that. Um, so I have moved across to beach volleyball, which is probably slightly less impact on the body. Um, I, but you've got my my beach partner is forty five years old, which is um, and and you know she's still going strong, but probably the average um average player play till late late 30s uh, early 40s um, but I'm just going to keep continuing until I stop enjoying it I, I don't think there's any there's no lifespan on it um, it might determine what level I, I play at but certainly see myself playing for a few more years all right, leads me on to another layperson's question then, I suppose. And, you know, we love this country, Scotland, and yeah. I'll come on to that in just a moment. Um, and we've got beautiful beaches, but we're not always renowned for the weather. Yes. <laughs> so so how, how, do you, how do you participate in, in beach volleyball in Scotland? On the beaches. Um, okay. we I, are... asked, I asked for that. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. In any weather. I mean, in, in any weather. I mean, we have this this goal and the only way we can train is if we're on the on the sand. Uh, at the moment, we're, we're not lucky enough to have a, an indoor beach facility, which many countries have. Um, and so we are, are really enduring the lovely weather conditions of Scotland down at Portobello Beach. Um, and loads of people are doing it across the country in the, in the West Coast as well. Um, and it's it's not the easiest, um, and because getting into the winter season, the mornings get darker, the evenings get darker, so you're left with a really small window of opportunity to go down and train, which means training really early mornings, um, and very flexible work um, work times as well. So there it does pose its challenges being based in Scotland. Um, we are hoping to get an opportunity to get an indoor facility sometime soon, um, but. We have what we have, and, and we're just going to keep going as, as long as we can on, on Porty Beach. Through this series of podcasts, we're hoping to inspire and motivate people wherever they may be in the world listening to this. And the two, the, there's, there's quite a few tough questions, but the, the feedback that we've had so far is, is our book question and our music question, which we'll come on to soon. But a book, could you, could you share with us a book that may well have had an effect on your life, but you think it could change somebody else's life who's listening to this podcast right now? knew you were going to ask me that question. I'm actually not a reader um, and probably in the last five years I've only read one book and that has been Bounce by Matthew Syed. Uh, I'm sure you'll have heard of it. Um, just reading 
through that. Um, I tend, if I do read books, to read something that can uh, that I can learn from within my my life. And from that book, um, it just opened my eyes to a lot of sporting issues, a lot of things that are going on in the world in terms of sport and and people's lives and the impact that can play. Um, so if you haven't read it, definitely read Bounce by Matthew Syed. It's a great book. Um, and whether you're a sports person or not, it, it definitely poses a lot of questions to you and very thought-provoking and what about what about um uh, your legacy you know i know you're young, you're young. <laughs> what are you doing talking to me about legacies but do you know when you think about the future and you know you go off to do other things at some point eventually what would you like your legacy to be um the the word legacy is is used a lot these days especially in relation to sport um for me personally um, with the with the Olympics, um, we made history as a team. Uh, we did something that no other indoor volleyball team has done before, um, and it, and it didn't just happen. Um, and for me, that was a legacy. Uh, we created a legacy for the future generation of of the indoor sport. Um, on the beach now, we're we're about to, we're hoping to do something that's never been done before in com- competing at the Commonwealth Games. Um, and legacy for me is is doing what people have never done before um, in the sport. I think it shows people that it can be done, um, especially the junior players who are out there today thinking, I really want to be successful at this sport. I don't want to have to go to another sport to be at the top of the top of the sporting stage. I want to play volleyball and I want to do that at the highest level possible. So, yes, it's, it's tough and there's challenges out there for us to do it where we are now, um, but... I'm determined to make it happen and I think if we can do that and start the ball rolling for people to see that it can be done then that for me that's a legacy for volleyball in this country. Um, I asked a question of a previous guest and we were talking about Olympian champions uh, not in any particular sport but just across the board and there seemed to be a pattern of medal winners coming from certain backgrounds. Now, I don't want to make this a, a, a you know a social uh, podcast, as it were, but it does seem that, that um, 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 dare I say, middle class or, 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 or could be perceived as privileged youngsters tend to get more opportunities to participate in, in high-end sports and become champions. Uh, and sometimes the talent that may come from more deprived backgrounds, of which we, we do have them in, here in Scotland, um, don't get the opportunity to succeed as much as as the group from the middle class, you know, yeah. private school background. In some instances, would you concur with that? I am. Um, I think whatever background you're from, I think can whether it's opportunity to to be successful, um, or the. If you're, I mean, there's there's situations where you've come from a, a really unprivileged background, so you've had to fight for every single thing you know, um, and I guess you see some very successful athletes that have come through that. Um, I'm thinking of the Brazil volleyball team. Um, very very well known volleyballers have come from a, a really underprivileged background and are now the best volleyball players in the world because they've had to play volleyball to fend for their families, and um, they are the you know they're the best players in the world, so they know how to dig deep. They know to work hard. Um, so I think there's no, whatever your background is, you can be successful, um, and that would be that would be what I believe in. Um, and a lot of the work that you'll be doing in schools yep. will be 
uh, you know, will be testament to that. Absolutely. I think um, for me, I'm trying to show that volleyball is one of the easiest sports to play. You just need a ball, a balloon, something that's like a ball and a space. You need some friends to play with and something that mimics a net. Um, so we are not asking for people to have the best equipment and the, you know, the best best make of balls um, or anything. We are trying to show people that whatever your background, you can play volleyball and it's a great sport for that. Uh, for various reasons. What's the most physical aspect of the sport? I mean, I've got to say, I've, I've watched it sometimes on a yeah. Sunday morning on Channel 4. Yeah. Okay. And there's these beach bronzed, beautiful bodies, you know, knocking this ball about. You, as you can tell, I'm not really a sport person. <laughs> all right. You can tell that by my language. Um, but, but, and they look fantastic. There's some of the, you know, the guys look like Greek gods, the girls look fantastic. They're all physique. What's the most physical part of the sport? Phys- physically, it is a really demanding sport. The, it's so dynamic. You have to be explosive. You have to be fast. But for me, the the biggest challenge in volleyball is the mental side of the game. Um, it differs from indoor to beach. Um, but and, and that was one thing I was told in my very first volleyball experience is that volleyball is 99% mental and 1% physical because of the challenges that it, that it creates. Um, you could be the best volleyball player in the gym, in the training gym but when you're under pressure and I guess it's the same for all sports when you're under pressure in the spotlight with your five other teammates on court you have to perform that action under the pressure and I think for me that's the biggest challenge for volleyball so are you thinking strategy as you're playing absolutely yeah and as as the as the captain yeah um do you do you shout instructions as you're playing or how do you how do you communicate with your team um, yeah, it can vary. A lot of the strategy comes from the, the bench, so your coaches and your statisticians. Um, we normally had a game plan going into every game, so we knew what our roles and responsibilities were. Um, for volleyball, we have different positions, so everyone has their own role to play on court. Um, but in terms of communication, um, if you're playing in front of 15,000 people, you're shouting at each other. Um, but a lot of the time you're using hand signals, you're using uh, you know body language, different things if you can't hear yourself speak. Um, and that is why the mental side of the game is so important is that you you might not be able to have that clear instruction with someone else but positive body language and, and talk is really important so the more that we talk the more that i become convinced that a lot of the skills for any sport but your sport in particular these are uh, are all transferable for for leadership That's, roles of the future yeah. Let's say, um, let's go into the future. Let's say volleyball goes, mm-hmm. which it probably never will for you, I would imagine, Lynn. But let's say volleyball goes. What would you, what would what would your next job be? What would you love to really get your teeth into? What would get you out of bed in the morning if it wasn't volleyball? I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, at the moment, my my job is volleyball, and my passion is volleyball. So whether I'm at work or not at work. I'm I'm volleyball, um, so it's really hard to think past that at the moment. I have this goal of competing at the Commonwealth Games, uh, and I'm actually only planning up until that. But I mean, I, in the end, I'd I'd quite like to have the challenge of of having my own business, um, in the sporting industry, whatever that may be. Um, but I I'd like the challenge, and I've I've seen a lot of very successful people take on their own businesses, um, quite close by. So. Um, I think I'd quite like to take on that challenge, whatever that may be. But at the moment, everything is still volleyball. Bit of a music history lesson for yeah. you now. <laughs> yeah, because um, there was a chap called Dick Rowe, who was the boss of Decca Records many years ago. Okay. And he told Brian Epstein, who was the manager of the Beatles, that guitar groups were on the way out and subsequently never 
signed them. I don't ask you the same question, which is because I normally follow that by go, have you got any regrets? Um, but I think I just want to go back to something that you said earlier about Sheffield. What was the biggest thing that you gave up to go to Sheffield? What was the biggest thing that you sacrificed? Um, I think a lot of things, you know, when you move away from home, you sacrifice time with your family, time with your friends. Um, I just qualified as a pharmacist at Strathclyde Uni and I gave that up to, to play full-time volleyball. Um, I, I'm in the position where I can always go back to it, but at that point in time, I gave up that career and I have never gone back to it yet. Uh, I'm not saying I won't, um, but at that point, I'd you know I'd spent five years at university. I'd done one year, a pre-registration year, working full-time, and I, I actually worked for one year as a qualified pharmacist and then had to decide, do I want to take that path or do I want to play full-time volleyball and chase my dream of competing at the Olympic Games? And that's the, that's the thing I chose and I would n I'd never change it for the world. So no regrets? No then. regrets, absolutely not. No regrets. Um, if you had uh, only one bit of advice to give to um, you know, a, a fellow professional or somebody uh, who's going through something personal at the moment in terms of resilience, leadership, and it could be anything at all, what, or has anybody given you a bit of advice that's always stuck with you, what would you, what would you share? What, what is it and would you share it? Very good question. Um, I think in order to achieve what you want to achieve, you have to be prepared to go out with your comfort zone. Um, I think there's a lot of people who struggle with that, but once they've taken that step uh, and it just opens up so many more doors to, to improving yourself, to improving you, yourself as a person, but also in your sport. Um, my sister was always a, a good kind of source of advice and I can't remember in what context she was telling me, but I, a good thing that she always told me was um, never regret things that, you'll never regret things that you try, but if you don't try them, you'll never know. So, um it's it's kind of preventing the what if scenario. So always give something a go, and you know you can always always go back on it. But if you if you don't try, you'll never know. So that was maybe some advice I would always give someone else. I've always remembered that. So great bit of advice. Before we go to your music choice, um, another question that we're asking people, because it's called Made in Scotland, as you know the podcast. What is it that you love about this great country and its people? Um, I absolutely adore the, the openness of people. I think there's a, I mean, you, we use the word banter, um, but I think that creates a, a very warm personality of lots of people. Um, I think uh, the people in this country are so warm and welcoming. Um, you know, you always hear like foreign foreigners come over and say, oh, we love Scottish people. They're so, they're so friendly. And I think for me, that that's one thing that I love. Um, you saw it at the Glasgow Commonwealth Games, uh, people make Glasgow. And I think that's true for, for Scotland as well. So, yeah. And have you found that while you've been travelling around the world? Have you been warmly welcomed by other nations? Yeah, absolutely. I think as soon as you say you're from Scotland, um, or or the UK for that matter, there's a an an intrigue based around this island, and and the the you know there's always a question about okay, so you're Scottish, but you're part of Britain, and there's always there's always intrigue and curiosity around that. So I think we're quite interesting people for for people abroad, um, and I think that that is something quite special. 
What do they and, and what's their impression? Are they, is it still sort of the you know the the shortbread tin and whiskey <laughs> type of um, image, or uh, or are we a little bit more contemporary in terms of our image abroad? I think there is still the sort of stereotypical things about you know they ask questions about kilts and whiskey and shortbread, but I think there is now. There's now a, a more contemporary theme, um, but the the main thing that comes across is that kind of friendliness and openness of the of the people that live here. Well, Limbiti, I've got to say it's been an absolute pleasure, Thank and uh, it's great to see somebody in a very positive way consumed by their passion. Absolutely, I think people who are in that position are, are, are very lucky individuals indeed. But you've, 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 you know, you've been at the top, and I think you will continue to grow and grow and grow. So, so, and good luck with the Commonwealth Games Thank come twenty eighteen. Uh, how can we, uh, how can we keep in touch with your progress, incidentally? Uh, we, we're, we've got a good profile on social media. Um, we've got uh, this Scottish volleyball website's always updating um, I can give you the Twitter if, if you'd like go for it's it it's at coots under slash beats bvb at uh, and that's our Twitter page uh, Scottish Volleyball website is scottishvolleyball.org uh, and all our regular updates will be on there perfect okay on to your song choice yes this is where you get to be a DJ <laughs> for Elliot for a few moments before you uh, do the big reveal and announce the artist and the song tell me a little bit about why you've chosen this particular tune there's no real deep and meaningful reason why I absolutely adore this song. Um, I have memories of, of being at school, um, played at the school disco, uh, and it's been a song on every playlist, every match playlist between then uh, and it still exists on the pre-match pre playlist today. Um, so yeah, it just um, I'm an absolutely huge fan of the artist, love her songs, um, she was an absolute legend. Um, and that was Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody.
The Made in Scotland podcast, sponsored by Ogilvy Ross, was produced by Chris Kidd for Guardian Studios and GRC.